Good morning. What a wonderful job our choir did leading us in worship. Well, you're probably going to be a little sad because this is our last Sunday in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to open them there. We'll have the words here on the screen. If you're able, I'd invite you to stand as a way of honoring the reading of this portion of God's holy word. Solomon in chapter 6 has offered this wonderful prayer. And in it he asked God questions. What would happen? In fact, Solomon says, what will happen when your people turn away from you. Anybody today feel like there's some area where we've turned away? And he says, and when God, you shut up heaven, that the rains don't come, and drought comes, and pestilence comes, And the land is, is broken. And your people are broken. Because they have sinned against you, O oh God. What will happen? And that is the parentheses in which we read our text this morning. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, those conditions. Then, today we're at the then, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. What a promise. Thank God. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, for these next moments, there's not a one in the sanctuary today who doesn't need your forgiveness. We're all broken people. We've all messed up. We haven't come here because of our goodness. We've come here because we are all sinners saved by your grace. And God, we need to continually come before you and seek your face and seek your forgiveness. And each one of us today has the promise that we can leave this sanctuary and go into next week and the rest of our life with the power of your forgiveness and healing. Lord, may that be what each of us take advantage of today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, today we're at that place where we need to be, we want to be, 
to be forgiven. God says that he will take our sin and remove it as far as the east is from the west. I think that's a long way, don't you? If you were to go as far east as you could go versus going as far west as you could go, that's a long way. Today I want us to look at four things that I think bring about the forgiveness that each of us need. Now my prayer is that each of us have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior and received his forgiveness for our sins that separate him from us. But I also know that we've lived in the world a week since we gathered here last. And I know we've made mistakes, you and I. Those things we should have done, we left undone. Those things we shouldn't have said, we said. That part of us that just is uncomfortable. You know that place? That, that part in our core that cannot sing in honesty, it is well with my soul. I've got wonderful news today. Before we leave today, our soul can be singing. It is well. It is well. The first thing that the process of God's forgiveness is that it has to, we have to be reminded and revealed our brokenness. Our brokenness has to be revealed. Have you ever messed up? I mean, like, really messed up? I have. Feels terrible, doesn't it? Well, you'll notice that this is my natural hair, and I consider it to be blonde. Amen? Some have said dirty blonde. I take offense at that. I wash my hair every day. I don't think that's what they meant. But I'm going to tell you a story because I are one of a blonde and a brunette and a redhead. Okay? They're stranded on a deserted island. And one day, the three of them are watch, walking along and they find a lamp. How many of you know where I'm going? Don't get too far ahead of me, will you? And sure enough, when they pick it up and rub it, a genie appears. And the genie says, well, there's three of you, and I only give out three wishes at a time. So what I'm going to do is give you each just one wish. But be careful with it. You only get one wish. So the brunette says, I've been stuck here on this island for years. I miss my family. I miss my husband. I miss my life. I wish I could go home. Poof. She was home. The redhead says, I also have been stuck here just as long. And I miss my family and my husband and my life. And I wish I could go home too. Poof. She was home. The genie looked over and the blonde was crying uncontrollably. The genie asked, What's wrong, my dear? And the blonde whimpers, 
I wish my friends were still here. (laughs) You ever messed up? I didn't even do the poof. (laughs) We all have, haven't we? Oh, some of them are just honest mistakes, but when we look back, we see how bad they were. Someone has said denial is not just the river in Egypt, but it is something that maybe today it is denial of our sin that is keeping God's powerful forgiveness from coming to us. The beginning point of forgiveness is confession. Our text reminds us that we have this need to confess if we are to receive God's forgiveness. You remember those if statements? If we who are called by his name, are you one of his? Is he the Lord of your life? Is he the king of who you are? If not, he wants to be, and he needs to be, and he can be. And if you answer, yes, I am, I'm a believer, then we need to honestly, honestly ask ourselves, how am I living up to that high calling of being a child of the king? Are there some areas in my life, some thoughts, some deeds, some actions, some inaction that might be causing doubt that I belong to him? If we're called by his name, that's one condition. If we humble ourselves, are we living in our dependence upon God? Because I found that when one is humble and one leans on God, forgiveness and confession are easy. It's easy to say, oh God, I messed up. I messed up. Can I just ask us, when is the last time you literally said, God, I messed up. I blew it. I I should not have said or done or been or whatever you might feel that in. The devil just has a way of leaking pride into our life. Just leaking pride in. He doesn't overflow us. It just kind of comes in. And as it comes in, we're reminded that Maybe we don't need God's forgiveness or maybe we haven't messed up that badly or or maybe our sin is not as stinky as that potato that Belinda mentioned. Oh, when you're in a humble place, you can begin to ask for God to to forgive and, and, and you will begin to confess your dependence upon God instead of that pride. I wonder if there's someone today that maybe you had no idea you were even going to think the thought I'm about to say. But maybe you've come here today because there is some unrepented sin in your life that's interfering with your walk with God. That's interfering with your ability to be a member of this church like you need to be and ought to be and want to be. Maybe it's silenced your witness Would you humble yourself today? Would you humble yourself in such a way today as to say, today I confess my sin. 
Thirdly, we must prayerfully seek God's face. Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Have you been seeking? Have you ever been in a hurry, and I'm confessing here, and said, I can't find the car keys. It's almost always the car keys at my house. Sometimes it's other things. Okay, it's a lot of things, but we won't go there, okay? But it's the car keys, and you're in a hurry, and you're busy, and you say, I can't find the keys. Where are the keys? And then your sweet spouse just walks up and says, well, they're right there on the table. And you look and say, oh, yeah, well, I, I didn't look there. <laughs> that was too obvious, I guess. I want to ask us, we understand that verse, don't we? Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Look for him every morning. His mercies are new every morning. Look for him. Seek him. Seek him. And don't seek him like I look for the car keys when I'm in a hurry. I mean, seek him. Find some time to be in his presence through the scriptures that we're reading and learning. And, and I think it's wonderful that, that we are saying as a church that it's important for families to read scripture together, to learn scripture together, to memorize scripture together. I think that's a wonderful way for us to seek the kingdom. And he says in this beautiful passage of 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if we seek his face another question just for us to do a, an inventory to see maybe if today we can find some extra forgiveness and some extra healing in God's power how many times did you say I am seeking you with all to this week God you know what I have found in my own life maybe you have that sometimes life can be so busy the schedule can be so demanding the 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 things on it that have to be accomplished are so important that I can go from Sunday to Sunday and God has rarely, if ever, crossed my mind. Have you ever done that? Was that last week? I've got good news. God wants to forgive. He can forgive. He will forgive. He desires it. And then finally he says, if we'll turn from our wicked ways, the fourth condition. If we'll turn, if we'll make that, that change, that, that change that, that, that maybe now is a habit. Do you have any wicked ways that have become a habit? We all have. Today, he wants to offer forgiveness he wants us to recognize our need and realize that we, 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 he wants to reveal our brokenness in order that, that we can have what he wants to do next. And the second thing, after he reveals our brokenness, is he relieves our condition. God put in our spiritual DNA an uneasy feeling when we're broken, when there's brokenness between us and God. You know, in our society these days, we've called right wrong and wrong right. And yet, if we, be, if we would just be still, when the psalmist said, be still before the Lord and know 
that I am God. Just be still. There's a part of us that knows when it's wrong. Oh, we can deny it. I've done it. I bet you have too. We can, we can drown it out with all the noise of the world. I did something to, in a sermon uh, at, at Flat Springs years ago. I, I had our organist to, uh, I should have got you to do this for me, Patrick, to just go and, and not very, not loud, not, but just to hold one note on the organ, just to push that note down and hold it. And I about ruined her finger because she held it for 10 minutes in that worship service. And you know what? At first, the noise just sort of, it just sort of, after about two minutes, you kind of got used to it. But it was still there. That noise was still there. It was still, it was still in the background. And, and I just kept on going with the sermon. And we just kept on going. And we kept on. And about 10 minutes in, I looked over and I said, okay, Regina, stop. And she took her finger off that organ note. And suddenly, you could just think of the congregation just took a breath. Because that background noise had been irritating us all along and we'd gotten used to it i wonder if there's noise in our life that starts off low but then gets a little louder and then gets a little louder but 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 it just does it incrementally in such a way that 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 it gives us time to get used to it we, we get used to that that negative thought in our heart and our mind and our life that ungodly thought in our heart, in our mind, in our life. And suddenly that noise is such that we can't hear the still, small voice of the, our God saying, I want to forgive you. I want to bring you to a different place. I, I want to put you in a, a different spirit. I, I, want you to, to, I want you to live your life in a different way. Would you pray right now, Lord, take the devil's finger off the noise in my life and let it get quiet in your sanctuary. And in your sanctuary right now, I'm going to lean in and listen for your still small voice. Oh, it relieves that condition of that background noise. When we mess up, God allows our, our heart to begin to, to feel heavy, and we know it's not right. It doesn't matter what our society might say is right. We know we who love the Lord and have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we know right from wrong. God is our standard. His Word is our standard. We know how we are to live. And when we mess up, and we all will, and we all have, and probably today when the altar is open, who should come down? Probably all of us, starting with this preacher, should come and confess and ask for God to relieve our condition, to change us from where we are 
to where he needs us to be. Because when that happens, it brings us to the third idea. It revives our spirit. True forgiveness is redeeming and reviving. Listen, nothing weighs us down more than unforgiveness. Nothing frees us more than forgiveness. Let me just ask you, have you ever been in a mess? Have you ever been broken with a person that you loved, that loved you? Have you ever done what was wrong and you knew it was wrong and you went to them and you asked them to forgive you and you didn't know? You didn't know if, they, if it was ready, if they were ready, if it'd be all right. You were worried, you were concerned. You, you had the heaviness of the world in your life because you knew it was broken between you and this person that you loved. And when they looked and said, you're forgiven. You ever had that moment? It's all right. We're going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Oh, friends, today, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, in your heart you feel a heaviness, a brokenness. You know it's not right with you and God. I want you to hear him say, I'm willing to forgive you fully and completely and forever. Today, nothing weighs us down like unforgiveness. Nothing frees us like forgiveness. Nothing affects our peace like the need for forgiveness. And nothing brings us peace like the forgiveness of God. Revival is an old thought for most folks. It was at revival that I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. It was a moment where I think because the church had been praying, uh, some of you are old enough with me to remember when we do cottage prayer meetings before revival, and we go two, three weeks before revival and start meeting, usually on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then we'd come on Wednesday nights and pray, and, and we would just saturate that service in prayer and it was one of those saturated services that I gave my heart and life to Christ. I wonder today if there's someone who needs to know the power of reviving and being revived by God. And it brings me to my last point this morning. Not only does it reveal our brokenness and relieve our condition and revive our spirit, <laughs> it restores our relationship. There's nothing sweeter than hearing the words, I forgive you. In John chapter 8, there's a woman who is caught in the very act of adultery. And in those days and time when one was caught in that act, both the man and the woman would be stoned to death by the law of Moses. But they brought her can you imagine the desperateness as she was drugged through the streets, partially naked, before a Sanhedrin-type gathering with Jesus there, and her sin being displayed in front of everyone, and men standing with stones in their hands, ready to carry out Moses' law, and saying, Jesus, what do you say about it? 
Can you imagine? I can't. I can't imagine the fear. I can't imagine the guilt. I can't imagine the desperation. But when we are in a place of unforgiveness, that's our place, isn't it? That's how we feel. And you remember that story in John 8. Jesus began to write in the sand. And you remember what he said to, to the, the Pharisees? You who without sin, you throw the first rock. And you can almost see them dropping those rocks and walking away. Because they, they realize when the master said, we're all sinners, we're all sinners, we're all sinners, you and I, we're all sinners. But did you remember what he said to her? In that moment, the worst moment of her life, the worst moment of her life, Jesus said to her, where are your accusers? And she said, they're gone. And Jesus said two things, two things. I want you to hear both of them. He said, neither do I accuse you or condemn you. That's one. Isn't that good news? That's God's forgiveness. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold out the sentence that you deserve. And then he said, go and sin no more. He wanted her to be changed. That's what he wants for you and I today. He wants you to know that if today, if we would be honest enough to take an inventory of our life, of our walk with God, and we might see some area that is undone or is lacking, it is not what it is not seeking him with all. And we know it. If we would look at that today as God sees it, and we would recognize our condition, he would say to us, I want to forgive you. And I want you to leave this place and do it no more. How about the thief on the cross in Luke 23? When Jesus asked him, when he asked Jesus to remember him, that's a great story when you read it in all the Gospels. This guy starts off mocking Jesus with the other thief on the other side. But something happens in that moment, maybe in those seven words that Jesus spoke. He wouldn't have spoken them all yet. But in those words, maybe he heard him when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. But at some moment, he looked at the other thief and he said, We're here because we deserve it. This man doesn't deserve it. And he said to him, Would you remember me? When you come into your kingdom. Oh, what a prayer. If I were to ask how many of us here want to go to heaven, I believe every hand that understood what I asked would go up. We all want to go to heaven. And, and that's exactly what that man asked. Would there be any way in my condition? I, I don't have time to read a Bible verse. I, I, can't, I can't learn one verse. I don't have time to do one good deed. I don't have time to go to one synagogue. I can't be baptized by, by you or, or one of you. I, all I can do is ask you, will you remember me? You remember what Jesus said to him? 
<laughs> oh, forgiveness. It's God's amazing grace. God's overwhelming grace. Ununderstandable grace. He said, this day, you'll be with me in paradise. Oh, don't we all want to be in paradise with him? You and I have got time, don't we? We can join a church if we're not a member. We can be a part of a church. We can make Jonesboro Heights the very best witness station in this community. We can do all we can to love our Lord, to praise Him. We, we can come in every day and say, Lord, forgive me for pride, but I'm going to try to be the greatest worshiper in the worship center today. I'm going to try to worship you more than anybody else. And goodness gracious, if we all come with that attitude and that spirit, I think worship would be even better and it's already wonderful. When God forgives us, He forgives us indeed. I end this morning with the Hemingway story. He told of a joke that took place. I've heard this story in different ways and you may have heard it. But it seemed like there was a, a, a young boy named Paco which was a very, very common name in Madrid. And Paco had broken his relationship with his dad, and, and he just, it was, dad had tried to find him to try to fix it, and so in his desperation, not knowing how to find his son in that big city, he went to the, the local paper, the El Libriel, and he put in an uh, ad, in a personal ad, and it said, Paco, meet me at Hotel Montana, noon, Tuesday. Meet me at that Hotel Montana, noon, Tuesday. All is forgiven, Papa. And it said in that story that at noontime on Tuesday, 800 boys named Paco showed up at the Hotel Montana. You know what I found? If you're broken, if your relationship with God's not where it needs to be, you know it. Just like those 800 Pacos knew it. Today, do you want to be forgiven? You want to know that heaven is your home? You want to know God is as close as your next thought? You want the power of His forgiveness to be yours? I've got one more slide. You see it? My child. All is forgiven. Meet me at the altar at noon. It's noon right now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you pray with me? God, may your spirit continue to fall in this place to we who are broken, sinful people. 
There are none of us here that do good. No, not one. We all need your forgiveness. We all could be a better part of our family with your forgiveness. We all could be a better part of this church family with your forgiveness. We all could be better in this world as your witness by living into your forgiveness and hearing your word say, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Oh God, thank you for the promise you made to the children of Israel that when they messed up, if they would remember who their name, who they were named after. If they would remember to pray and to seek you and to turn from the wrongness, you would hear their prayer. You'd forgive their sin. You'd heal their land. Lord, I pray in me. Forgive me, God. Heal this land we call America. Help us, your people, to come to you. And however we need to this day, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In just a moment we're going to sing, and the invitation is fairly simple. Whether you make the altar where you're, the, the seat where you are your altar, but you pray today for God's forgiveness. You confess today. You understand your condition and you ask God's forgiveness. I promise you, I promise you, we'll leave this place different if we do that. And maybe God has revealed to you, you need to come to the altar. You need to come forward. Maybe you need to accept him as Lord and Savior. You've never done that. Maybe you need to publicly come and rededicate your life. I don't know what God is saying, but I feel his spirit in this place. Among we who are broken. And may we respond as we sing.